Welcome to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Get ready to find your free will from your roots in the stars. This is Talk Cosmos, August 29th. The show will repeat next Thursday, September 3rd at 6 a.m. Pacific Time. Welcome to Talk Cosmos. I'm Dr. Laura Tad. Sue is off tonight, so we've got myself and Tara all joining you this evening. Um, and today we're going to be talking about Mars and Venus and the fact that they will be in square or 90 degrees away from one another um, within a few days and what that's going to manifest in the world and some of the things that have happened historically when they have been in this dance in the past. So welcome to Planet Buzz. On planetary ecliptic orbital cycles and planetary pairs called synodic cycles connecting the planets at the same degree that begin our relationship, these are the members of Planet Buzz. I'm Sue Rose Minahan, host of Talk Cosmos, an evolutionary astrologer and consultant, plus a certified color energy coach. I explore creative expression as an artist, a musician, and write abundantly stories to poetry. I love investigating mythology's language, philosophizing eternity, and I'm a perpetual student of life, seeing oneness of body, spirit of people, animals, and nature. And I'm Dr. Laura Tad. I have a PhD in human science and work as a spiritually oriented psychological astrologer with people around the world. I teach and lecture on astrology both in person and remotely. I have a blog. I have written for the Mountain Astrologer, Celestial Vibes, and Tarot.com. Additionally, I am the educational coordinator for Live Life Resources, an educational nonprofit specializing in resiliency training, education, and research. And as the ancient Hermetic Code reveals, as below, as above, as above, as below. Okay, well, welcome, Tara. You want to give us a little introduction about yourself since it's a different show tonight? Hey, everybody. I'm Tara All. Happy to be here again. I was thinking it's 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 funny that with Mars and Aries, this would be the show that we get to take over uh, while, while Sue's away. I feel like it's, you know, something like while the parents away, the kids will play. So happy to be here. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, and I am currently based in Los Angeles, and I just do all kinds of things writing and astrology. Yeah. Okay, and so yeah, tonight we're going to be talking about this Mars-Venus square that we've got coming up here in early September, and what that can bring into the world and the archetypes that they represent, um, and you know, historic or in mythology historically, they you know they're the archetypal lovers, and so there's very much a piece about them that is 
talking about relationship and our how we are in relationship, but our relationship with ourself, I think, is another big piece of this with, as we were talking earlier, that they're all in these cardinal signs, that they're in Mars is still in Aries as it will be till January and Venus currently in Cancer and then both being signs that are so tied to identity. Um, and so our relationship with our own identity and our relationship with, <laughs> you know, our relationships and how we, what is our identity within relationship as well? Um, getting a lot of focus. I mean, I think that's part of what squares bring in is it heightens our attention on the archetypes that you can't avoid squares. Squares aren't bad. They can get that reputation or they're, depending on what text you're reading, they can sometimes be described. Squares are bad and trines are good. Um, but it's not, that's just not how I <laughs> view them. They're just unavoidable. Um, and so this tension that they create of Venus being what we love and value and need to feel secure in the world, particularly with her hanging out in cancer that has so much to do with emotional, physical security um, in this tension with Mars and Aries, that's all about rushing and going. And as Rick Levine says, you know, shoot, fire, aim. <laughs> um, and so how do we go after what we want, right? What we need, what we want, our ability to be proactive about it because cancer is not a very proactive sign necessarily even though it's a cardinal sign it's that circumventing energy that sort of coming at things indirectly and i think the square will in some ways allow us to be more direct about what we need we can't be that have that passivity that cancer is vulnerable to um well as it comes into this tension with mars yeah, when you were saying it, I was thinking, okay, so we have to, like this cancer can be very passive aggressive, right? And then Aries very aggressive. So somehow there has to be a renegotiation. What do we actually want to do together? How do we get there? And I 100% agree with you. There needs to be a more, uh, a, a direct route, uh, which is scary for cancer, right? Especially Venus in cancer because uh, it, it, its feelings are sensitive. You know, it's, it's, it's hypersensitive <laughs> to how, to what it thinks is happening to it or what's, you know, the kind of what the world is doing to it, especially in its more, uh, I would say immature expressions. Um, but, you know, you, you and I were talking earlier uh, before the show about how there's going to be a grand square that's going to pull in um, Saturn and Capricorn and Juno and Libra. And, and so, they're absolutely, especially with Juno and Libra, that there's asking for integration, asking for fair representation, asking that uh, different parts of us, not just the internal parts of us, but external parts of us. And this is like, as within, as without our relationship with ourselves, with others, and then as community, society, as a world, we need to renegotiate that. And <laughs> we, you and I were also talking about how neither Cancer or Aries, like, I mean, they're not quote unquote, very grown up signs. Like it, it, it's hard to get them sometimes to slow down, work together not take things so personally, not be too defensive. There can be an instant reactivity in both cancer and in Aries. So I feel like with that grand square, we have, at least we have, you know, Juno and Saturn too offering like, okay, what's it actually good for? What can you actually build with this? How can you actually master it? 
You know, I, I keep coming back to Chiron and Aries right now because that's so much about healing our identity um, individually and collectively. And I feel like this square in some respects is challenging um, that identity definition in all of us. How can we be our independent selves and still belong, right? Cancer, mm-hmm. some respects, so wanting to belong, wanting to belong to we might say family, but it has, doesn't have to be family. Just belong to the group, right? Belong to that place where we are part of something. Uh, and then Aries, of course, needs to do Mars and Aries needs to do its own thing. Let me, you know, let me out of here. Just like the glyph with the little arrow shooting out of the circle. But somehow there's got to be room for both. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, as you were talking, it almost made me think of like, so um, that Saturn and, and you know, it's almost like the parents holding the kids accountable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, cause Saturn's so much seen as like archetypal father and, mm-hmm. and just, yeah, just sort of, and even in the mythology, they're older mm-hmm. gods. Right. And so it's like, yeah, they're calling them out and saying like, yeah, no, you got to grow up. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and that may be part of even with what's going on in the world right now is like that, cause Mars is so reactionary mm-hmm. that, this particularly in Aries there's such a you know knee-jerk reaction to things with Mars and Aries and this the gift I think of all of this tension is it's like okay no you can't like knee-jerk reaction is not gonna work like it's mm-hmm. and their tension allows almost like the slowing down yeah yes and Venus and Cancer has to toughen up a little bit Meaning, you know, um, I'm not saying that we shouldn't, I mean, I am a cancer, so I'm all about <laughs> honoring our feelings. And But what I'm saying is that, so when life happens, it, it, if, we, if we're too thin-skinned and we take it all too personally and we get offended at, any, at anything and everything that happens, there's no room to really work together, right? And so I feel like on both sides, you know, Mars and Aries can't just go shooting from the hip all the time uh, and expect to get its way. But Venus and Cancer also can't go cry in the corner every time someone does something that's a little bit upsetting. There's got to be somehow we got to all get to the table, right? We got to all get to the table and work together. And it's funny because as we say this, because I know we're talking about this as like externally, but I'm imagining my inner self this way. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, I mean, I'm a, I'm a very like, just like my first teacher, Laura Nalbandi, would always say an interior astrologer. I am very much an interior astrologer. And so I'm imagining all these parts of myself trying to negotiate right now. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's where, you know, this as above, so below, right? It's like, <laughs> yes. There, yes, there's the collective experience mm-hmm. of the astrology that's happening now, but there is how it interplays with all of our own charts and also how we respond to the collective experience, right? How we respond to so many people being reactionary. Okay, does that trigger our reactionary side too? Or does that have us be a cancer crab that I'm a cancer as well? I'm going to hide in my shell in the woods because that's safe. Yeah, yeah. And it's perfect for cancers for COVID, right? Never have to leave the house, you know, just <laughs> stay behind the, you know, this. but the thing is, I bet that's that's a false idea of safety. And so I think part of what we're working with here too, uh, what the Mars and Aries brings to this challenge square party is to recognize that what we thought is safe isn't real safety. It's in some ways keeping us small, in some ways keeping us um, overprotected from really uh, 
being in an in, in intimate relationship with each other, right? Really, truly working together and really being able to make uh, changes from the heart that matter. To me, that's part of the marriage between, um, well, the cosmic lovers in this sense with Venus and Mars, right? Sure. Yeah. Well, and then the fact with, with Juno getting pulled in there, that this idea of harmony, because she's in Libra, she's about balance and harmony, mm-hmm. regardless of where she's hanging out. Yeah. And 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 so how do we and having that internal balance that internal harmony of um and sovereignty right that's that really higher expression of libra is is that sovereignty and being able to be whole and complete on in oneself right and then there's you it's almost like being your own partner yeah (laughs) and you can commit right commitment is so uh Juno in general, to me, speaks so much about commitment, you know, what you need to be committed to. So in Libra, of course, it would be um, being committed to the harmony, the integration, the relationship, the balance. We could come up with a lot of words. But to me, um, Libra at its best can hold different things as equals. Right. So when we're dealing with these, uh, at least in their at least in their rougher, unmatured forms of cancer and Aries, there is room for me to be me, do what I want to do, separate and have my individual path and for me to be part of something I belong in and for me to care for community, right? It doesn't have to be an either or. It's really easy uh, with Aries energy, Libra energy too, actually they both are prone to extremes, right? So I either can do me, then I can't have relationships or I can have relationships and I got to give myself up. So I think again, it's about you, you mentioned those, those like Saturn and uh, Juno being parents. And it's a good analogy for me, right? It really does feel it's like the part of us that says, hold on, you won't get where you really want to go if you can't like level up. So in some respects, <laughs> we're being called to like level up, right? We can't just keep running in the same old, you know, childhood path with the dirt bike. In other words, like you got to like somehow get on the different road. Yeah. And, and in that way, that's still your road, right? Not this like crazy and sort of in some ways, the benefit of being a grand square instead of a T square is you're not being redirected. Yeah. <laughs> right? Right. It's just, it's just, as you were saying, like leveling up, it's in the vault, it's an evolution mm-hmm. of self rather than, mm-hmm. oh no, we're going to kick you to this polarity point. That's totally unfamiliar. Yeah. That because it's this grand square, it's like, oh, no, all parts of self are transforming and just you're still you. You're not going to evolve and not and wake up and not recognize yourself. Mm-hmm. It's just a peeling of the onion. It's just this new layer that gets to be expressed that can have that compassion of cancer and the proactiveness of Mars and Aries that's saying, OK, right, we need to act. We need to things that wanting to contribute to the world be of the world and and have that sense of power that that Saturn can bring that that authority um and recognition that of the work you've done I think is part of that Saturn and Capricorn of like oh yeah you've put in a lot of work already so honor that and that doesn't mean you're done but honor the work you have done and see that recognizing that because I think we can 
you know, sort of the whole forest for the trees, we can get lost sometimes when you're in the midst of growth and transformation. It's hard to recognize how much work you've already done, how much you've accomplished, how far you've come. Yeah. And just sort of feel like, oh, the carrot's always being, there's <laughs> always further, the can's always getting kicked down the road and recognizing both individually and collectively how far we've come, you know, with what's been going on politically in the world. And people go, oh, nothing's changed since the 60s. Well, it has, doesn't mean it's fixed, doesn't mean there isn't a lot of work to do still, but things have improved in certain respects. And there's a need to sort of hold that too, I think. Well, yeah. Come into some of this. Well, there's honoring of the past um, and taking the best parts of it to move us, you know, into a better present and future for sure. I was thinking about the physical body when you were talking, because mm-hmm. part of the square, I feel like with, you know, Mars and Aries, like, there's so much energy of like, it's sharp. It's like intense. It's, it's, it's excitement. You know, it's like the wound up nervous system. Uh, and then of course, Venus and Cancer is very much the, uh, well, we can think of it this way. Mars and Aries is very much the, the sympathetic nervous system. And then Venus and Cancer much more the parasympathetic nervous system. And we need a balance of like, of like the, the excitement that get up and go, go after it. But we also need to rest. We also need to take time to relax. We also need to know when to chill out. So to me, these two energies are doing this as well. And that Saturn, I'm sure the Juno too, but the Saturn in particular in Capricorn, it's helping us recheck in about where we're actually going mm-hmm. because especially Mars and Aries, you know, once it thinks like that, it's been given the signal, go do this. It's gone, right? There's no, there's no more thoughtfulness about what am I, you know, and so it can go 10 million percent, all energy jammed on into a certain direction. And, you know, we knew this was going to come up today, but Mars retrograde is coming, you know, really quick here, uh, which some of us may experience burnout fatigue. We may experience changing and changes in our physical energy level because if we've been using energy in a direction that doesn't really serve, you know, what, what's true to our hearts, um, then we hit roadblocks. And I think this Saturn in Capricorn is really, it wants us to slow down. You mentioned slow down earlier, but it wants us to slow down. So we don't just waste our energy. Mars and Aries can be famous for just wasting energy because it feels safe moving. Right. So if I keep running, I will avoid all the problems, right. I'll just, I'll just push harder, fight harder, and on the flip side, Venus and Cancer could do nothing. Yeah. So yeah. once we have an aligned vision, which we get from the more objective Saturn and Capricorn energy, then we can sort of refine tune, realign, and really kind of get all cylinders rolling. Yeah. Yeah. And I think with that, like part of the gift of that tension with Venus is that our actions become tied to our values. Yeah. Right, we're not just action for action's sake, which can be very much Mars and Aries. Mm-hmm. And when Venus comes in, it's saying, "Oh no, what's the purpose? Why are you doing it? Why is it important? How is it? How do you feel about what you're doing?" Yep. And then um, that too, like the square, I think, slows things down and it will actually physically probably be slowing down at this point because it's getting close to the retrograde. But that it, it's sort of like, okay, right. You have to, you have to have purpose behind your actions and being, being more value driven 
instead of reactionary. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that Saturn, all this, you know, stellium and Capricorn helps to concretize that, helps to manifest yeah. that value, the actions of the, the values, valued action into something concrete instead of it just sort of existing in the ether and being like, oh, that's a nice thought. <laughs> Well, also too, like just Mars in general, Mars and Aries in particular, it will do things just to prove it can do them, you yeah. know? And and so, and I know I have Aries rising, so I know this part of myself. I sometimes I've recognized like I've taken on challenges or I've done different things. And then later on, I've been like, I didn't even care to do that. Like, I just, I just didn't want people or myself to think I couldn't do it. And yeah. so this can be something that, you know, pops up for us too. Um, and then the Venus also makes us check in with not only, you know, I, it's funny, I am above my, on my desk here on my bulletin board, I have this big sign in black Sharpie that says what for with a big question mark. Mm-hmm. Cause my challenge to myself is everything I do, I try to check in what's it for Venus reminds us that it's never just about us. So it's always to consider other people. Yeah. Consider all of us, you know, think that's the one piece we might ought to mention here too, is that, and the thing is, if we're really doing what is in our heart and true to us, it, it automatically does serve the collective. Yeah, um, absolutely. But I think it's easy, especially with Mars and Aries, man, it's easy to just get like, I'm sick and tired of being tied down. I'm tired of anyone telling me what to do. doesn't matter, you know, how old we are. Well, maybe like I'm in my mid forties. I feel like maybe more than ever, I'll be like, I'm done doing it anybody else's way. You know, I'm going this way. And it's easy to like that old saying, like throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And I think that part of that, the Libra and Juno helps with that sort of collective piece Mm -hmm. is like, you know, okay, the group, the home, the family, whether that's insular, like, you know, immediate family or a community or nation, like, you know, that, or tribe, you know, it's like, okay, how is this impacting? How are my actions or what I'm wanting to go after impacting other people and impacting yeah. my community? And, and, and how can they help me? Cause that's yeah. a two way street, right? Yeah. It's like letting people actually help you, which again is something Mars and Aries Mars tends to not to <laughs> Not a fan of. <laughs> you can help me if you, don't know like that I'm actually in charge. <laughs> yeah. Or you can help me if you really stay out of my way. You know, it's like, it's, there's just not this like, but uh, you know, Venus is all about like, we do it better together. Yeah. Um. Uh, and do we do it better together and um, not really wanting to do it alone. Yeah. Right. It's like, it's sort of, it, there's an inactiveness or this almost, and maybe it's part of the immaturity. It's like an arrested development of like a toddler who's like clinging to mom. who's like, well, I don't really want to go out and venture around myself. I'm just going to hold your apron strings or I'm going to hold your skirt and not, and, or like get just far enough away that I can still grab you. Well, yeah, because the Mars and Aries doesn't feel very nice, right? It's like that part, that square, like that's not nice to me. That's how that feels to that Venus and Cancer. Why would I want to work with that Mars and Aries? It's mean, yeah. you know. There can be that that it's or it's rough or it's, you know, it it doesn't it doesn't understand me. It doesn't you know it doesn't care about me. There can be that feeling, and of course, the Mars and Aries feels like oh, it's you know Venus and Cancer is smothering, you know, it, right? Right. It's like it's like consuming. Um, 
uh, feminine, not female, but feminine energy that kind of draws things into itself and holds it close. <laughs> Mars and Aries is like, no hands on me, you know, I need right. room. Mm. Well, and even just elementally, right? You're dealing with water and fire. So it's yes. like, <laughs> you know, water puts out fire. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And so there's that part of like, Mars is like, no, I'm staying away because you literally douse me. Yeah. <laughs> Drown me. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think we're about to go to a break quickly here. So, um, um, so just finishing up before we go, I think that's, yeah, it's just that the elemental piece that they, there's that natural tension between fire and water. And for anybody who's not like following astrology, you know, down to these details that this particular Venus and Cancer square Mars and Aries we're talking about, it's going to be exact on Friday, September 4th. So when we're talking about these different aspects in the grand square, that's the chart that we're looking at here with that energy. But we're already feeling it now, like it's close enough to be in play. So we don't have to wait for Friday, Friday the 4th to feel it. But that's when that's when it's exact square happens. Um, yeah, because it they they're both in because the square is happening at 27 degrees, almost 28. Mm-hmm. So they're both currently in Cancer and Aries. So we've been feeling the this energy, you know, and Mars has been in Aries for quite some time and will continue to be till January. Um and so yeah, so the archetypes, it's just this the intensity of their interplay mm-hmm. builds in the next week. Yeah, I would say like they're going to corner off, like they're 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 cornering off here. Like they've been having their energy interact, but now the actual cornering off or the face off with each other, it's coming. Yeah, and often these applying squares, is, you know, are more intense, right? Mm-hmm. As it gets closer to this square, we'll feel it. We feel it more intensely as opposed to you know as they Venus moves away, yeah. they'll still be in angles, but it's whenever it's sort of a separating aspect, it tends to not have the same intensity to it. Um, and so yeah. you, and even, you know, with most transits, like things don't necessarily happen on the day. There's a, <laughs> there's a lead in, there's a, you know, they announce themselves um, uh, as part of the, of just how they manifest. Um, I mean, occasionally you get something like that spot on, but usually, there's there's a lead in Um, I think it's definitely time for our break right we'll be back with more in just a few minutes take a break from this week's edition of Talk Cosmos, let's take a look at this cycle's archetype. We are currently in the yin period of Virgo. By leaving a cycle based on the creative manifested legacy of our highest creative form, the energy of Virgo completes the last sign below the horizon of the self and requires discernment to perfect oneself through the mental process of critical analysis. As a mutable earth sign duly ruled by Mercury, Virgo refines heals or fixes through daily routines, developing skills and services to control nature's chaos and maximize efficiency. 
Hello, this is Marie O'Neill with Padma Life Coaching, and you're listening to Talk Cosmos on Alternative Talk 1150 AM, where we discuss the meaningfulness of our roots in the stars. Alternative Talk 1150, the talk of the sound. We're back. Um, so yeah, we were talking about this upcoming Mars-Venus square we have going on. Uh, that's coming up here on the on the fourth of September. Which somehow it's September. And we're feeling it now already, right, yeah. Laura? Yeah. And, and and if you're just now joining in, I'm 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 Tara All, astrologer from Los Angeles. Yeah, and I'm Laura Tad. I uh, live just outside of Atlanta, Georgia, and we're here without Sue tonight, as she's yeah. um, doing some Mars work. She's she's on the road at the moment, so we're here um, in her place. But she will be back next week. Um, um, or I was, I'm hoping, I want you to share, because I want to hear personally more about how this particular uh, Venus and Cancer square, uh, Mars and Aries, how it's happening now, but that it hasn't happened that recently or that, that often yeah. in these signs in the past. So I know yeah, you did well, some research. Yeah, I was just, because I don't know, I'm, I have a moon in Virgo in the ninth, so I'm always doing <laughs> always doing Mars in, the, in, in, my Mars is in the ninth. So I'm always doing research and so I just out of curiosity, I was like, oh, well, because they square regularly, right? I mean, like they're, Mars and Venus are squared every, they've even been squared other times this year. Um, but out of curiosity, I was like, just, when did they, ha- when have they squared with Mars and Aries, particularly since Mars rules Aries? And so it's this relationship that Mars has with it um, and Venus and Cancer. And in going through it with my software, the last time it happened was in August of 80, 1988, um, at 11 degrees Cancer, which happens to like be Cancer Aries. It was like, oh, that's my son. <laughs> it was on my son the last time it happened. Okay. Um, it's, on, it's on my son this time. How fun we're doing this together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, yeah, just sort of saying, huh, okay. And I, and I did not expect that it would be so infrequent because they do square so regularly. Um, and then the one, the next time, the next most recent after the mid eighties was 1894. Wow. You know, so it's like almost a hundred years, more than a hundred years between them. And um, that was in 29 uh, cancer Aries. And, you know, so I did, wasn't, didn't see too many again, like, cause events aren't like on the day, um, necessarily, but so with the one that happened in the eighties, um, about a week before, um, on the, cause it was August 19th, 1998, uh, or 1988, um, on the 4th of August, the Congress voted to have, have reparations paid to the Japanese Americans who were interned during world war two. Um, and I mean, there were other things that happened in, but that was one of the things that stood out to me as bringing in these archetypes in terms of Mars being the God of war 
in mythology and cancer being home and family and that being so much part of why people were interned was the questioning of what they considered home and they were taken from their homes. And so this idea of actions on values that we were talking about of like, oh, putting our act, acting on what is of what you value, what is home being valuable and taking action. Um, And, you know, part of what I find helpful with astrology retrospectively, right, because it's always fascinating to look back, is then, okay, what can that tell us a little bit about now, Mm -hmm. right? And so what actions are we going to take about home globally, right? Because it's not just um, to not be American centric, right? This is a conversation people are having around the world as we've been stuck at home mm-hmm. during COVID. And what do we think of as home and how do we value home and the actions that we can or cannot take in that square around home and family um, coming or, back up. What about even our mother earth home versus sure. versus us as, let's just pretend that Mars and Aries represents us as humans, right? Doing our own individual thing on a planet. <laughs> and and if Venus and Cancer is the Mother Earth home, that's a big challenge between the two. And you're right, that has not to do with any country or nation. That's humanity versus our planet, you know? The challenge between the two yeah. is huge right now. Yeah. And yeah, the, and yeah, the the from an environmental perspective right and because one of the other things that happened right around then is there was a huge fire in yellowstone oh yeah and um and and aries fire right mars and aries fire huge fire in yellowstone i mean to the point that like it was a point of like oh the news there's this fire a huge you know it was enough to be like a bullet point in history and we're having fires right now i mean i'm in california we're having fires right now that are just, I mean, enormous fires in California and that are burning homes, right? I mean, a lot of times, fortunately, you know, the fires that happen in California tend to be more up in the mountains and it isn't as much loss of structure, but there's been a lot of homes that have been lost in these fires. But that's lost Um, in nature too. I mean, as you're saying that, what I'm feeling like, we can't just do whatever we want, Mars and Aries, without consequence to our, to our, big home (laughs) yeah like yeah and that that's part of maybe this not rushing of mars right it's sort of that oh i'm just gonna go off and do what i want that independence and there are no consequences Mm -hmm. psychology that mars can have Mm -hmm. um and the square saying oh wait no but there are because what you value is in jeopardy or what you or home may be gone, gone. right? <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You um, and I do think, you know, just in general, Mars and Aries may be that there's a lot more fires and it could be too. I was thinking um, with now, and I, I didn't look, but it would be interesting to just check of there's so many hurricanes this year too. And yeah. that seems very cancer Mars square as well with that yes. cancer water Mars energy of these the swirling energy of a hurricane that's water um and just hurricane after hurricane after hurricane in the gulf coast right now um 
may be part of this. I would be, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a bunch of more hurricanes in early September, um, unfortunately. Well, we, you and I were talking earlier about how with just Mars and Venus, anything Mars and Venus together makes us look at kind of give and take, right? Because yeah. Mars is very much like your style of how you give it in life. Yeah. And Venus is really how you take it. And they can be two entirely different things, but our balance in general right now with how we give and take it, I mean, globally is not in alignment. And so I think these natural disasters and even our own inner unrest and all these things that are happening, it's because it's so out of whack that we've got to do something to shake it up enough that it can resettle in a new way. I mean, it's frightening, but I, I feel like maybe we've put ourselves in that corner, right? And corner is a good word for a square. Like we've cornered ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And that then it's like, so you're forced to come up with solutions. You're forced to think outside the box with a square and this grand square that is a box. (laughs) (laughs) But we have to, we have to, what we're, how we have been doing things is not working. We cannot, it is not sustainable. And so we're being forced to re-envision okay, what, how do we act? How can we be proactive? What do we value? How can we, um, and recognize what we, maybe that's part of this Saturn piece too, is like recognizing where we went wrong and not in a shaming way, not in a like, you're bad, but, oh, learn from it. It's all about lessons. It's all about growth. It doesn't have to be punitive. Um, and okay, you, this isn't working, you now know. So with that information, how, now what? Now that you have that new data, how are you going to respond? Um, yeah. And Venus and Cancer, one of its best strengths is to know how to take care of ourselves and each other, like to, at, at a really, uh, not just physically, it's part of it, but I mean, at a deep soul level, what do we really need to be taken care of? How do we do that for each other? How do we do that for you know the animals, the plants, the planet, everything? I feel like that's such a blessing of Venus and Cancer. Yeah. And I do think that that's part of what's potentially coming out of this time is kids are going back to school and there's a lot of conversations about kids' mental health without the socialization that they, that's needed or even the physicality of being touched and how important that is as humans when we have to social distance, but there's mountains of evidence. I mean, failure to thrive in infants is because they're not being held. So like as humans, we need to be touched. And how do we get that nurturing? How do we care for ourselves, for other people, for the planet um, in a way that isn't rushing, right? That isn't um, thinking we have the solutions before we've thought them through. Yeah. Um, or, or And actually listen to other people's ideas, like, and really listen, like not just listen from our own perspective, but thinking about what it's like for other people in their position. We It's so easy for us to say, oh, I listened to what you had to say, Laura, but I listened from Tara, do you know? Like, which is a whole different experience, which by the way, takes us right back to the Juno and Libra. Like it literally is the ability um, to see different sides, to see different perspectives. And again, to honor them as equal, just because it's different doesn't mean one's better or worse. There really is, I feel like this, um, 
we are so at odds with things, right? I, I, I've been bringing this up so often lately, but it's because I've been so into John Lennon for whatever reason has been like <laughs> taken over my life in some respects, but in a really good way. And um, like, we should, we should really be putting more energy into what we're for, not what we're against. Yeah. And so I feel like so much of this energy here is happening. It's like really asking us, what are you for? Yeah. You know, instead of worrying about fighting against, put all your energy into what is that good, exciting, best, wonderful, meaningful thing you want to do. That's how I feel like we shift this like energy that we have going on, at least in part. Yeah. I think in some ways it reminds me of like an Aikido approach, Hmm. right? Which is all about redirection of energy as a martial art. You don't fight. It's not combative. Aikido is not a martial art where you fight. It's all a redirection of energy. Hmm. And, you know, so when somebody punches you, you grab their arm and you use the force they're coming at you with to flip them. (laughs) You're not using your strength, you're using theirs. And so in that idea of putting your energy into, into not, not fighting something, going after something, it's like this, then, and it's such a, there's so much more flow Mm -hmm. with that. There's so, and that's how you, that's the only way to build momentum. You can't build Mm -hmm. momentum if you're in a combative energy. Um, no, and when you have a moment like like right now, we do right. So like we're on a radio show, uh, we have this option with Talk Cosmos to like have our voice. But like any moment, whether you're like on the phone with someone, we have a moment to share, wh- whatever it is, like use that moment to broadcast something meaningful. We yeah. use we use so many opportunities, like priceless moments, where you get like a moment in the media or a moment with someone's attention, no matter what the circumstances. And I feel like we waste it because we go straight to what's negative. We go straight to what, what we don't want, what we don't like. And that just feeds that monster. If we all just did this little thing, I'm like really doing the Juno, Juno Libra thing here. You know, I'm like, but I mean it, like if we really did that also, this unites the Venus and Mars in a really beautiful way. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like Mars goes to bat for Venus, like nobody's business when those are aligned. Yeah. And that's where like the gift of that square, rather than it being challenging, it's like, oh, they get to hold each other accountable. And that's not a bad thing. Um, That's actually a necessary thing because they each have extremes that aren't pretty all that healthy (laughs) in expression. So, yeah. I mean, at some point, Mars has to be called in for dinner, you know, like it just, it's like, you can't just go on forever. So it's a healthy balance. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And allows, ultimately, you're more productive, (laughs) right? Like I'm also teaching at a college right now, and I was working with a student the other day saying like, you know, I was like, I know it seems like it's faster to skim the chapter, But then if you have to read it five times, it's actually taking you way longer than if you read it thoroughly the first time. And that's, I think, part of that energy. It's like, right, when you rush, then you actually aren't saving yourself time. (laughs) You're making it more difficult. Yeah. Um, What happened in 1894? So the one thing I found in 1894 that was fascinating, um, because it was also within like three days of the exact square, Thomas Edison first publicly shared his kinetoscope, which was the first moving pictures. So that was like the precursor to movies, to film. And the idea of like moving images, Mars, this energy of movement. And 
cancer, Venus cancer, like just that imagery and beauty that's cancer. And it's sort of, and I don't know what the first images were. I didn't yeah. do enough for you, but it would be, I'm curious to do some more research. Like what were, did, was it, he just showed the machine or was he showing mm-hmm. things that would be very Venusian as images? Well, but Venus being associated with art and then Mars and Aries with pioneering new things. Like, it's funny, we we talk so much about just personal relationship with Mars and Venus, but then here's this whole new field uh, of what the two of them do together, right? Yeah. This the, it, When someone's willing to take a risk and try something different or go a new direction in the field of art, we get these like amazing amazing new things. And imagery is healing, which is interesting, yeah. right? Because Venus and Cancer is very much about healing energy. And in fact, Mars and Aries is very much can be energy healing as well. It's just a different stream of energy, you know? So yeah. I feel like those combinations is okay. So now we've got the potential to heal through imagery. And we know now like that movies and all kinds, you know, kinds of visual arts is, I mean, it changes our changes our whole, uh, what's the word? Not metabolism, but you know, it changes our chemical our whole chemical- our neurochemistry. Yeah, yeah, it changes all of it. Absolutely. And I think that it, you know, there's, it's with being in a time where like we're on screens so much right now. Yeah. <laughs> we're on the screen right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that, that there is so much potential healing power in image, in film, when it's really well done, right? That it can be life-changing it can be healing it can have a profound catharsis Mm. to it which is a potentially part of this square too and so the idea of using imagery as healing as opposed to triggering which is so much of i think what's been happening more recently for folks with covid and the news and the protests and how they get presented on the news as opposed to maybe what's actually happening um And or um, it's interesting because 1894, the degrees were really close to what they are right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so much, much, much more so than, yeah, it was 29. Yeah. So that was, you know, a half a degree, a degree off because it's almost 28. Yeah. Because I was going to um, say, because for me, I feel like it's now that we know that about 1894, it's like a challenge now. Like, okay, like we're stuck on the screen. What can we do with imagery now to yeah. bring some of this healing and integration? I feel like that's a, we have so much more technology now. Um so we, we can, there's this huge, that's a huge creativity, right? A square also is like a huge amount of creative tension, but yeah. it doesn't have to be tension in a quote unquote bad way. Tension in like, you have a lot of dynamic energy to work with. Yeah, absolutely. And coming up, absolutely. And using that creativity of both new, what are the stories that we want to tell through imagery? Because I think there's a piece too of cancer that I think of a lot of like storyteller memory like around the yeah. it's right it's it's where we come from it's our ancestry it's like hanging around the campfire and telling stories and so what are the stories that we want to tell and how much of them are stories about the past versus invoking a future right and so maybe that's part of it. it's like not looking to the past so much that i think part of the challenge we've been in globally is we know so many of the stories that we've had before no longer work, no longer serve us. Um, but we're in this liminality right now. It's like, we don't have the new stories, but the old stories don't work. So maybe we make it up. Cancer is very right. imaginative. Cancer is super imaginative, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. so like, yeah, this, 
creative invocation, this creative, like, okay, make up the stories, create the stories in a new medium, even, right? Yeah. Or the, the, the gift of everybody being on screens is the number of people you can connect with, right? That the, the, how wide you can cast your net is so much greater that it's not to your little world or even community or even country, right? It's like, oh, right, it could go global really fairly easily. Mm-hmm. And so shift or other people's stories coming here and that part of that Juno Libra connecting with others balance. Oh, right. What if we find the stories that resonate that are coming out of South Africa, that are coming out of Australia, that are wherever, you know, yeah. and this resonance that recognizing our, our similarity, right? That, and yet yeah. maintaining our uniqueness and individuality, because all of these things that we were saying before, like in this grand square, they're all in cardinal signs, which are all about self in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. Right. Even Libra that's about the other, it's like, well, the other in relation to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's like, you know, who am I when I just show up in the moment? I, who yeah. am I in my private space with myself? Who am I in a relationship? Who am I out there publicly in the world? Right. These are all being activated right now. Yeah. So uh, and maybe all of us are ready for, you know, kind of an internal to external facelift. Right. Like there's like a new way to show up. Um, from the inside out, I always say, but to me, a lot of this, a lot of this energy is about how do we show up in the world and stories are so much a part of it. Stories, whether or not they're quote unquote true or not, like the meaning underneath is what we, is what we, is what really serves us in a story. Well, right. Cause it's how we're then able to, in the very cardinal way, like make it about ourselves. Right. (laughs) And once you make it about yourself and you buy into it, I mean, that, which by the way, on some level, we all need to, in order to really have the passion and commitment to do something with anything, we need to feel a personal connection to it. Yeah. And cancer uh, on an emotional level helps us do that. Right. Emotionally hook into something, you know, which, which gives us, man, it's interesting. Like we talked about the cardinal cancer earlier. It's not always super active in the physical world, but on the inside, Activating like the emotional experience, activating activating the emotional part of anything is really strong in it. And good yeah. like when it, once a cancer is like emotionally geared in a certain direction, pretty hard to stop it. Yeah, yeah, and it's more. I mean, I think of cancer more in the it's just it's indirect rather than inactive, right? It's mm-hmm. the crab that walks sideways, so it's <laughs> indirect, and that's with emotions. Well, emotions aren't direct; they're all over the place. So. Yeah, there, there isn't a linear line between like your reaction to something and how you feel and why what you mm. ate made you feel, you know. Like it's- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't have to make sense. Right. We're right. talking. I mean, cancer is the is is really is a, it's like a whole world happening on the inside. Yeah. You know, um, and I think that if we can take some of that inner world. Uh, and, and bring it out, you know, in meaningful, healing, positive ways like that's. I got, I feel like this is part of it because then Mars and Aries can run, run with it. Mars and Aries can say, okay, let's actually take that somewhere. Right. I think that's part of that. Like, okay, now the drive that Mars has, has purpose as opposed to acting mm-hmm. for the sake of acting, mm-hmm. right? Taking action just because Mars doesn't know what else to do, but being active. Um, 
<laughs> and feeling, and sometimes like a buy-in to the action, emotionally committed to, to the outcome as opposed to like, well, I'm just going to go and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we have about five minutes left, but so before I'll just take a quick minute here and then we'll wrap up just to remind everybody um, that this is going to be rebroadcast on th next Thursday and um, that next week uh, Sue will be back as far as we know. <laughs> Sue should be back and the, it's going to be the cosmic collaboration panel. So with Sue Rose Minahan, Amanda Pierce and Shannon Hayes, and they'll be really discussing more of the Mars retrograde. And I know we touched upon it briefly. Maybe we will talk about that might be even a good sort of wrap up yeah. with that to lead into next week. Yeah. Um, but so just to let folks know about that for next week. Um, and, and Sue will be back with panel. So yeah, we've got, but so yeah. Um, and they'll talk about the Mars retrograde. I think for me, for Mars retrograde, like as as I as I've been kind of sharing it and feeling into it, it's just so much about reconsidering your energy, right? Yeah. So, right now is a great time to just tune in, pay attention. Where is your energy going? Yeah. How do you use it, right? And I don't. This doesn't just mean physical energy. I mean wherever. Like, is it all up in your head? You know, stuck up there. You know, are you running around busy? Is it all stuck inside your body? Because when Mars retrograde comes, it's this really wonderful time to develop this new relationship of how you want to work with your own energy. Yeah. Yeah. It can feel difficult because you can sometimes feel physically off, but that's important because feeling physically off makes you tune in and get realigned with like the best way for you to work with your own energy flow. Not the way everyone, you know, not the common way that someone says, here's how people should do it. I mean, you figure out your own energetic flow. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think part of, you know, I think of retrogrades as sort of, you just put the prefix re in front of the archetype. Right? And so Mars retrograde, it's like, well, it's react, but it's also react. You act, get to act again with Mars retrograde. And so I think in relation to part of what we've been talking about tonight is like, so some of this idea of acting on our values, well, it's okay if you don't get it right the first time because Mars is going to go retrograde and it won't, Venus won't still be in play, but you get to review how you responded and maybe tweak your behavior a little bit. Yeah. And or, or if you've been going after something and all of a sudden you realize, whoa, I don't really want this after all. It's totally cool. You just yeah. get yourself ready to go in the next, you know, the, the best direction for you. It's Mars and Aries. It's like, little kids they have to try everything to know what they like you you, you you give yourself permission to check it out see if it works if not try something else yeah hey, laura it's been super nice being here with you on talk cosmos i i uh missed sue but i gotta say yeah. it's been super fun like just geeking out on venus and mars yes uh, yeah for sure it's been great to connect with you again and chat about this and and prepare for this using our energy our emotional responses and energy in the most productive way we can both individually and for the planet yeah thank you everybody for tuning in it's been great spending this hour with you everybody take care
listening to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Be sure to tune in next Saturday at 6 p.m. to continue finding your roots in the stars.